0: Welcome to Your Business, Your Life, with Matt DiFrancesco, your personal financial quarterback. Whether you've had years of success in your business or are just starting out, DiFrancesco Virtual Family Office can help you create a vision for your business, life, and family, and guide you toward the fulfillment of that goal. As they say, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your virtual family office. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt francesco Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm just fantastic, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I heard you were on vacation for a little bit.
2: Yes, finally got some uh, downtime. We went to a nice quiet place, not a lot of crowds. Uh, my wife got her beach time, so she's happy. And you know what they say, happy wife, happy life.
1: Absolutely. We just got back from camping for a few days and my wife and I got to float down a river and watched a deer cross the river in front of us. It was amazing. And the deer was social distancing, no mask, but, you know, no judgment. Right. So, <laughs> well, of course. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know that you brought a great guest on the show today, and that is Beth Walker. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Beth and, and why you brought her on the show?
2: Well, I, I will. And I'll tell you what, I'm bringing another rock star on here. So uh, Beth is actually the founder of the Center for College Solutions, which is a group of professionals that are committed to making college affordable for all families. And you know her key is that we uh, we can educate our future leaders without breaking the bank. Mm-hmm. And Beth is also the author of Never Pay Retail for College: How Smart Parents Find the Right Schools for the Right Price. And since college planning is a major concern for most parents, and especially with business owners. I brought Beth onto my team to help my clients navigate the challenges of paying through college. And I've sent a number of clients to her that she's worked with and done great things with. And I've actually used Beth myself with my number three son. And we're currently working with my youngest son, who's a junior in high school. So Beth, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. And, And it's really a pleasure. Well, no problem. And we wanted to get you on now because this time of year is for a lot of parents is the time when they need to start beginning to make those plans for college. But to begin, I wanted you to just tell us briefly how you got involved in college planning.
3: Well, on my side of the equation, college planning started when I had a baby. <laughs> when I brought Mac home from the hospital, I did one of those geeky financial planner things and I, I literally did the projections on what it was gonna cost to put him through school. Uh, that's what happens when <laughs> you have a little bit of maternity leave and a little bit too much time on your hands, right. and you're sleep deprived. And when I realized what it was gonna cost to put him through school using the college board's calculator, I was just blown away. Now, I had only been in the financial services industry for a couple of years. Mm-hmm thought that I understood all this because we need to learn all that to take our tests and get our licenses and all those kinds of things. But when I really understood the magnitude in my own household of what I was faced with, it sent me into a deep dive on solving college. And that is literally what prompted me to look at this, not only from a financial planning perspective, but from a parent perspective, and it was very eye-opening.
2: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I know with having two kids that have already been through college, and they both went to expensive schools, I knew I made a lot of mistakes. And it was interesting when I met you. That was one of the things that we talked about was the mistakes that I made and how you helped to guide parents through this whole process.
3: Yeah, Go ahead. That's all right. (laughs) Well, you know, it's one of those things where you start out thinking, hey, let me help the family create a cash flow plan for college. And so you work with mom and dad, you make some assumptions, you put together a game plan and you think you've done your job. But what I've discovered over the last 18 years with my son headed off to college this year is It's not that simple. College is a multi-year project plan. And there are 12 critical components that make or break the outcome. And the hardest part for me to learn because of my professional background was how much the student needs to be involved in the project plan. What I write about in my book, the 12 critical components fall into three distinct categories. There are the four critical components that the student has to own, there are four critical components the parent has to own, and then there are four critical components where students and parents have to come together and collaborate as a family.
2: That can always be interesting,
3: that can, anytime you're talking about a six-figure investment in teenagers, you know, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> exactly.
2: Oh, exactly. I, I could speak from experience. I know yeah. all about it.
3: <laughs> yeah. And you think about what are parent's trying to do. Well, number one, we're trying to maintain our current lifestyle. We want to continue to go on vacations and make memories as the family and do the things that make our family, our family. Then we're trying as parents to get on track and stay on track for our future lifestyle which we call retirement. Right. And then along comes this huge cash flow hog in the middle of all of this called college. And we're trying to spin all those plates simultaneously. It's it's truly a cash flow challenge. And a lot of what we do in our industry is about accumulation. You know, it's wow. about setting aside money for way off in the future. But these are competing priorities for dollars right now. right? And so I constantly find myself explaining to parents, hey, we need to adopt a very different mindset about this thing called education. Uh, We have to think about financing their future, as in the students, and funding ours, as in the parents' retirement. Because they're going to get loans and scholarships for school, and we're not going to get loans and scholarships for retirement. So it's, it's a real poke in the eye to conventional wisdom, but if we want to do it right, and particularly for business owners, thank goodness for the fact that there's really two tax codes in America, right? One for the W-2 wage earner and one for the business owner. And we can really use that business owner status to our advantage, uh, during the college years. And that's, that's kind of one of those sleepers. That's not all that well-known even by CPAs that have been doing tax advising work for years and years and years.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the big problems that I know I face and I'm sure you do is a lot of times CPAs can be a bit myopic. They just they they kind of have blinders on. They're looking at this year, next year, and not always looking at five, 10, 20 years down the road. And college planning can be anywhere in that range. Let me ask you this, Beth. So what are what are some of the biggest challenges that you see parents and students facing in this in planning for college?
3: Well, number one, it's that conventional wisdom around name brand schools. I think one of the things that the coronavirus has done is been a bit of a wake up call in terms of, hey, what is the value proposition that I'm paying for? And is the education that I'm getting at school X really twice the value of what I could get at school Y or Z? And I find that parents and students themselves, they don't really appreciate the role that college selection plays in the overall cost. When you think about it, I mean, even in your household, four college educations, right? Right. Okay. So you're going to do this four times and you've probably gotten better at it each time you've done it because you learned a little bit more.
2: Well, thanks to your help too. So,
3: But the fact of the matter is, this is a six-figure investment, and and it's understandable. This is such an emotional decision. They, they set aside their consumer mindset, and they approach this whole decision-making process with the heart of a parent. Of course, we want to get our kids off to a great start. Of course, we want them to go somewhere that's a great fit for them, but- By looking at it strictly from an emotional perspective, we're failing to understand how to be a good consumer of higher education. Because if I said, hey, you're getting ready to make a six-figure investment, and in your case, you're going to do it four times, well, okay, you're buying another house. You're buying a McMansion. And if you put it in that context, you wouldn't hesitate to say to yourself, all right, I'm willing to make a small down payment, but I'm going to finance this. Where do I go get the best financing from a cash flow or a tax efficiency perspective? And we literally have to start thinking about college that way. I mean, you almost have to start literally cultivating a certain culture in your household around the whole topic of college and figure out why are we going? That's the question the student has to answer. What am I there to accomplish? What mindset do I bring on campus? Yes, it's critically important that we find schools that are a good fit emotionally, socially, academically for the student, but we have to find a good fit on the financial side for mom and dad as well. And so a lot of times what I find myself doing is helping families come to terms with a realistic budget, if you will, for higher education. And then you reverse engineer your search. Let's go find schools that fit that budget. And and I think the biggest surprise for a lot of parents is there are a lot of schools out there that will discount their costs for the right kinds of students, will make it affordable and will provide a great fit, but you have to put some effort into that.
2: That is so true. And I've, I've learned that from experience also that, um, I think many times, and I I use this example a lot because I had many of my, um, my peers who had kids the same age as mine. And a lot of them were looking at the state schools because of, you know, the cost. And in Pennsylvania, the state schools are, they're some of the highest in the country. Mm -hmm. And I was telling them because my kids went to private schools that because there was more financial resources available through grants, different scholarships, that in in many ways, like my number two son paid less to go to a private school, a top tier private school than many of them paid for the co- for the uh, state school.
3: That does come as a shock to a lot of parents. And, and, and it's no different than, hey, I, I am in the market for a brand new car. There's a certain kind of driving experience I want to have. And so I begin with the end in mind and I begin with some budgetary constraints, and I go looking and I go test drive. Very few people ever pay the advertised sticker price. And college is no different. And in today's environment, with all the uncertainty regarding is it online? Is it hybrid? Will it be in the classroom? Am I going to be living on campus? How is all of this going to unfold? Parents have never had a better opportunity to really be in a position to evaluate and leverage one offer versus another position their kids for discounts for grants and scholarships, but those types of things require a different kind of search criteria. You have to be open geographically. You have to be open size wise. There's no question that you have to go find schools that are a good fit for the student. That's where you have to start. But Kids today have limited exposure. It's the peer group. It's the counseling department at their high school. It's what people know in the circles that they're running in. If we can reframe that whole discussion and say, hey, have you ever heard of this school located in this location that you've never visited before? Did you know they have a program that's really well suited for you? Let's at least take a look. Let's start a conversation. Let's see what kind of discounts they might create for you. If we can create a meaningful list of schools where three or four are really going to create a financial incentive for you to attend, well, you're well ahead of the rest of the gang in terms of reducing your overall cost. You add that to a tax scholarship using the income tax code legally during the college years to reduce the cost of college, and you start to formulate a plan that's manageable that isn't going to derail you know retirement that's the name of the game
2: that's exactly right and i think that's an important aspect and and many parents don't understand that i think the idea that and you touched on this about and i'll I'll use a little different terminology that in some ways college uh, paying for college can be negotiable if you know what you're doing that's right I actually, um, I know when my uh, my son Luke went to college and uh, he was a football player, and uh, so he got a lot of he got grant money. But I was uh, I was actually just starting my business at that time, and I went back to the school and I said, "Look, you know," I said, "You're looking at these tax returns, but I'm starting this business." And I sent him my uh, PNL and all that, and I I said, well, "Ask for a discount," and they gave me five thousand dollars off. So. Yes. There's there's little things that we can do, but if we don't know what to do, we're never going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities.
3: That's so true. I mean, even this year, this last spring, we had a family that we had been helping and we were able to, through our process, identify some schools that were likely to offer discounts. The preferred school for this student did in fact offer a discount, but when they did that, they said to the family, you know, we we'd like you to let us know if you're going to accept. And the family said, "Should we do that right away?" We said, "No, not in this environment. There's a lot of uncertainty. Let's just sit on this for a couple of weeks." And because we were patient, the school came back and doubled the offer. Wow. That's a $20,000 swing in 4 years that family realized just because they were patient and they were willing to, you know, be coached by us.
2: That's huge. That's huge. Oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. And it is huge. And again, I don't think people, you know, even parents really understand until they get into the throes of it and they start seeing the numbers, how huge those numbers can be.
3: I'll tell you the other thing that's interesting. Uh, I always, I consider college in America, the ultimate theory of relativity. And what I mean by that is the ability of a student to create those types of discounts and scholarships is totally based on their performance relative to the incoming freshman class at that school. So take somebody like my son. He's a, he's a typical boy in that he's a smart kid, but he's not terribly motivated. (laughs) So he's, he's not gonna, you know, do the extra things to get the A when he can get a B plus.
2: (laughs) Right. Much to his
3: mother's chagrin. But understanding the kind of student he is and understanding uh, the fact that in today's world, a smart boy will always get offered more money than a smart girl because Hmm. the colleges are receiving applications for admission, 60% female, 40% male, they're trying to keep a 50-50 freshman class. So they're all gonna fight over the smart boys. Wow. Well, that tells us that an A student that's a girl versus a B plus student that's a boy, it's the boy's advantage today. So if we apply to the schools that need more smart boys, that they have a geographical desire for diversifying their freshman class, that he meets certain criteria, just by applying there, we improve our odds of getting a discounted cost. It's just, it's a little bit of art, it's a little bit of science, and it's a little bit of being willing to broaden your horizons and create these opportunities for yourself.
2: Well, exactly, and I think it's a little bit of psychology to getting parents and students to understand the significance of it and be able to do the things that they need to be doing.
3: Amen to that. Like I said, it's like a a super high end kitchen remodel. You know, my role is that of the project manager, if you will, the general contractor. I need to right. understand big picture, budget, timeline, and create a terrific outcome, but. There needs to be an expert plumber. There needs to be that expert electrician. Those people have to come in and there is a sequence of success so that we get where we want to go at the right time with the right amount of money. And, you know, today's college is unnecessarily complicated. The whole language and process is confusing and all of it is very costly. So at the end of the day, It's simple. It's just not easy. And what I learned is you really need a team. You need a team of people who understand how all the pieces of the puzzle come together. And of course, you've got to deal with the student that you're working with, because it all starts and ends with them. If we come up with a great cash flow plan for four years, but the student takes six years to graduate with an undergraduate degree, we kind of just blew that out of the water.
2: Exactly. So
3: we've got to get the kids to buy into what's going on and understand what part of this project they own.
2: Right. That's, you know, and part of the problem is, and I think a lot of parents rely on the guidance departments in their schools, and they're really not equipped to provide the right answers for them.
3: You know, when I was doing research for the book, I was so surprised to learn that if you're a guidance counselor, in a high school, you have no continuing education requirements. It's the only part of education at the high school level that doesn't have a requirement for continuing education. Amazing. And when you look at the role that they play in today's education, it's a lot of the IEPs, the 504s, it's it's managing scheduling changes and a lot of mental health issues. And so their plate is so full that oftentimes with the smartest kids, they're just saying, oh, they're going to make it. They're going to be fine. I don't need to spend any time there. And so for a lot of the clients that I serve, they're just not getting the kind of direction that is going to make a difference on the bottom line. So we have to supplement that. The other thing that I've really come to terms with, and you, you can speak to this with your, your own household, I think the education system does an adequate job on what I'll call the IQ issues. Yes. GPA, Mm -hmm. test scores. Can I write an essay? Can I fill out an application? Yes. But the EQ elements, the parts about why am I going to college? What career path am I likely to thrive in? Which majors support that? I think the education system does a very poor job of that. And that's where parents have to supplement with really good assessment tools to answer the why.
2: I completely agree. I know with my uh, number three son, Dan, we worked with Dan he even got to that point where he was graduating from high school and still didn't know what he wanted to do. And we made the decision to send him to community college so that he could get some core classes, get some credits and give him some additional time to figure out what direction he wanted to go, because you do look at the cost and we saved, you know, tens of thousands of dollars by doing that.
3: Such an underutilized society, you know, strategy. I mean, that is a classic example of something that so many households could put into motion, but don't. There, there's a, almost this fear factor that community college is a negative when in fact, for so many students who haven't answered the why, why go somewhere for 50 dollars $60,000, $70,000 a year when you don't even know what you're trying to accomplish? Okay. It's so smart to knock out those prerequisite classes at a community college price, and then transfer in with an associate's degree and get the degree from the four-year university. It's so financially savvy to do that, and it's just so underutilized.
2: Oh, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, I think people were surprised when we made that decision.
3: Well, I'll tell you the other thing is, I do a lot of college planning, but I know for a fact college is not the path for everyone. You know, we've come to a point in our culture where Mm -hmm. it's just what you do after high school, whether it's a good return on investment or not. College was never designed for everybody to attend. And so understanding how is this kid hardwired? Where are they likely to thrive? How do we play to their strengths? I mean, let's face it, in today's world, a plumber is going to make more money than a physician. Isn't that the truth? They're going to start generating real money right out of the gate, not all that debt. They're going to be earning for 10 years before the doctor does. It's just crazy when you look at the economics of today's workforce. And we can all look at the charts where college educated tends to insulate you from some of the things that we've just seen with this virus. So. It's really a function of understanding that individual and what the right path is for them.
2: Well, exactly. You know, but it, it's interesting you mentioned the plumber, you know, even during this virus and everybody was quarantined, there were still needs for plumbers. There were still needs for <laughs> yeah. uh, electricians, you know, all of these different areas. And I think we do discount those those skills. And I know working with business owners, I have many of them that are like that, that don't have the same issues that my clients
3: that are physicians that have and the debt. Oh, that's it. You know, the student loan debt, there's a lot of lazy journalism that's out there that talks about the student debt crisis. When you really understand what students can borrow from an undergraduate perspective versus what parents can borrow through the Parent PLUS loan, I think the real crisis is with Parent PLUS loan debt. And that's where we spend a lot of time with families, helping them understand their best financing options, because sometimes what the federal government has to offer isn't the best choice. It's really, again, a matter of being a good consumer of how you're going to finance this six-figure investment.
2: Right. It's the easiest choice, the parent plus. It is. And I think that's but that's the problem, is that some people want to just take the easy road and don't realize that there's other options, whether it's through home equity, even just, you know, a private loans, those type of things. There are other options that are out there, but it's just real easy when you get that um, you know, when you get the financial offer just to hit that button for the parent plus.
3: I think there's a lot of ignorance. It's kind of like back to the, you know, the car dealership. It's like they're sitting down within the office and they're saying, sign here. Let me make it easy for you to borrow from us. I, this is definitely a financial decision that merits thought, consideration, and strategic choice. And I think too often we're just blindly trusting oh, they're, they wouldn't do anything to harm us. They're just giving us what they can. And we really need to be better consumers.
2: You taught me a long time ago about that the school is a business. And so even when they come out with an offer, it's not always going to be their best offer.
3: Amen to that. And oftentimes what we find back to how important choosing the schools you're going to apply to is in this whole process If you can create a situation where you have three or four schools, all a good fit academically and socially for the student, but now they're competing for that student's attendance. Well, now you've created an opportunity to go back to all of those schools and say, hey, uh, you're not the only one that's interested in me attending. Let me show you how interested some other institutions are. Can we level the playing field here? Let's eliminate cost as the single deciding factor in the whole equation. And that works extremely well. But remember, the colleges don't know that they're in competition with other institutions until we show them. And so there's a whole art to the way that we go back to schools the way the student takes the lead in that conversation and the way that we work through that process to get the best possible offer from each of the schools before we make the decision.
2: Right. Well, one of the things I was going to ask you about was uh, to tell the audience about the process that you follow, but they can get that from the book, and I know we're, we're getting close on time. So one thing, a question I wanted to ask you, Beth, was what are some of your thoughts on what parents and students need to do in this new normal that we're experiencing, COVID? And I know you and I talked about some strategies with student loans that business owners could use. Could you touch on some of those?
3: I'd love to, because I will say 10 out of 10 parents in today's world come to me and say, Beth, I don't want my kids saddled with student loan debt. I don't want them starting out in the hole. And I fully appreciate that. But there's an opportunity to have a paradigm shift. And business owners get this in spades. What I suggest is that they look at the student loans and they say, wow, this is access to low cost capital for the household. Let's think about it differently. So as an example, in my own household, my son Mac will be attending High Point University starting in August. And we said to him, Mac, student loans interest rate this year is 2.75%. There's not a business owner out there that can go borrow money at 2.75% with no credit history.
2: That's exactly right.
3: (laughs) All right. Now, even the government understands that a true student loan, meaning it's in the name of the student, there is no co-signing. There's no collateral. So, they're going to limit their liability. The freshman year, the most you can get is $5,500. The sophomore year, it's $6,500. The junior year, it goes up to $75 and it stays there at $7,500 for the senior year. So, in a four year bachelor's degree program, the kid could borrow $27,000. And the current interest rate, which gets reset every summer based on a formula tied to treasuries, which we all know right now is at an all-time low, Right. it's at 2.75%. So what we said was, Mac, here's our suggestion, our contract. You finish with a B average in four years for your undergraduate degree, and dad and I will pay off your loans. So what does that mean to me as a business owner? Well, that means that I don't have to start paying that off until he's six months after graduation with a bachelor's degree. And then I can choose a 10-year or 25-year payment plan. Okay, the time value of money is fantastic. So I know from a funding perspective that part of my strategy is $27,000 in student loans. Now, how are we going to execute this I'll put the money in his account on the first of each month. We'll tell the loan servicing company to take the payment on the 15th. They'll draft it from his checking account. And what have we done? We've built his credit right out of school. If there's a deduction on the interest, he gets it on his tax return. And meanwhile, I, the business owner, got $27,000 that I didn't have to think about for another five years. I mean- that's just a simple example of a different way of tackling it. But like I said, business owners go through this all day long, every day. And once you explain it to them, they go, yeah, that makes total sense.
2: They get it. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And I've already relayed that to a couple of my clients, uh, you know, where the interest rates were on the uh, uh, student loans. And they've all just, their eyes just popped open. They got it. It was like Yeah, a white exactly.
3: Out. So that's just an example. And again, we're agnostic. Do we care? No. Our job is to evaluate just like we do on every major purchase, whether it's cars, whether it's inventory for your manufacturing facility, whether it's a fleet of trucks, whether it's a new building, you look at what is this going to cost? What's the best way to go about doing this? And nine times out of 10, there's a financing play. So let's just be smart about it because we're back to, what are we trying to do? I wanna maintain my current lifestyle, stay on track for retirement, and take on this thing called college, which tends to be a very short-term cash flow hog. So if we can figure out a way to have it be a speed bump instead of you know a collision, that's a win. And we can do that. It's not difficult. It's just a function in a perfect world, Matt, I'd meet people when their kids are on the verge of being a junior in high school right? with their oldest, and then we can lay out a plan, all kids, all years, and just sort of tackle this thing from a totally different perspective so it's not this huge, dramatic, stressful thing that they're wrestling with.
2: That's, I've actually been telling my clients, usually when their kids are becoming sophomores that they knew I need to get them in touch with you. And that's, that gives that would me be me a time. dream, but
3: that hardly ever happens.
2: <laughs> well, exactly. But that's, you know, I, you got to give them that lead time too. so you, you know, so you got to start planting the seeds, but usually it's around sophomore year that we need to, uh, uh, you know, I want to start planting those seeds with them. So Beth, how do people, first off, get your book? And then other than getting in touch with me, how would they uh, how would they get in touch with you?
3: So my book is available on Amazon, Never Pay Retail for College, super easy, easy to opt in there. The website is centerforcollegesolutions.com, pretty darn straightforward. And people can reach me, Beth, at centerforcollegesolutions.com. And they can call me directly, 719-522-2278. I start every relationship with the people I work with with a conversation. You know, I have no idea if I can help them, what their situation right. is. It's kind of like, you know, you have an initial consultation and you decide, hey, if you do these three things, you're going to be set. Go forth, make it happen. And that's as complicated as it is. Right. Other people just need a whole lot more detailed planning. So First, we just chat and figure out where are you in this process, what things are going to make a difference, and does it make sense to work together? So it's pretty low key, right. but I will say it can be, you know, our, our stated goal, the people that we work best with, we know that we're going to save them 25 to 50% on the total cost of college. Right. For people that have two or three kids, that's a big number. It's a huge number.
2: Huge number. And we're going to put links to the show notes to all the contact information and uh, to the book so that uh, they don't have to be sitting there trying to write everything down too. So, but anyway, but Beth, I, I, uh, uh, oh, and I would recommend to the audience, if you do contact Beth, mention that you heard her on this podcast, I'm sure she'll take very good care of you. So, Beth, I want to thank you so much for being on today.
3: No, Matt, thank you. It's just such a it's such a pleasure and such a great opportunity to be able to connect with people that are followers of your, yours and people that have confidence and know that you're always looking out for their best interests. So I really appreciate the opportunity.
2: Oh, that's it's my pleasure. And Eric, uh, did you have any uh, final questions for Beth? I didn't. Here's the thing. I
1: I am still swimming with all the information she already gave. Uh, there's there's so much. It it it's obvious to me that people need to be calling. Right? They need to be calling in, or they need to be checking the book out, because there are so many things in this just in this podcast, and we only had what thirty short minutes uh, to right. to get this information across. Beth, thank you so much. You were a wealth of knowledge, and I was I felt like I was drinking from the fire hose on some of this stuff. That was fantastic.
3: <laughs> thank you. Really a pleasure, guys.
1: No you bet. problem. And Matt, thank you, of course, for bringing her on the show. And the last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for listening and tuning in to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Matt comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And I wanted you to think right now, who needs to hear this podcast? Anybody who has kids should probably get a hold of it. So please share it with them again. Thanks for listening today. For everyone at Francesco Virtual Family Office, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Your Business, Your Life podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Francesco Virtual Family Office. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment, legal, or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified professional with any questions you may have regarding your business or personal planning. DeFrancesco Financial Concierge, LLC, doing business as DeFrancesco Virtual Family Office is a registered investment advisor. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training.